couple of disclaimers. Yes, I am wearing a Thor Ragnarok shirt. This is intentional because it's like the perfect message for where we're going because it says, I don't know if you can see, it says get help and it's, and it's Thor and Loki and that's, first that's fun because it's Thor and Loki and it says get help but, but secondly that's kind of where we're going because we're going to go, we're going to be talking for the next four weeks a bit about the church's responsibility in stepping into a world that's broken and in need of help. And, and we're going to talk about some ways that the church is, is God's intended answer for the brokenness that we see around us. Um, specifically, we're going to be talking a lot about how that relates to the church's interaction with our society's struggle with addiction. But, but this can apply in so many different ways. And I think so many of the different things that we're going to be talking about are going to be, are going to be really um, important. No matter where you are, no matter where your ministry takes you. So, uh, if you want to go ahead and be turning to Genesis chapter two, we're going to for sure be there for a few. And if you want to go ahead and hold a place in Philippians chapter two, you're welcome to. But we're not going to be there for a while. But I am going to just warn you ahead of time. We're going all over the place scripturally this morning, so you may just need to write down some notes if you're a note taker. You may need to go ahead and just be jotting down some references, and you can go back. And, and read them again later, because for some of these, I'm going to start going um, pretty fast. So, like I said, we're, we're starting a, a new series. It's going to be four weeks that we have to kind of um, look at how the church should step into a world that is struggling with all sorts of brokenness and addiction, these sorts of things. Uh, and, and, and I think this is an appropriate next step, having just finished the book of James. Um, it, was, it was two weeks ago. Caleb was preaching on James chapter 5, verse 12, and, and it just kind of hit me while he was talking about it, because we get to that one section, I'll put it up on the, we'll put it up on the screen, James, James 5, 12, where it says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or on earth, <laughs> sorry, is it, there it goes, it's coming, I'll read it again, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or, or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And, and Caleb talked about this, and we talked about this when we were studying. It's like, why is he saying, but above all? What's the, what's the point behind that, but above all? It's like he's saying, this verse sums up all of the book of James, and it kind of hit me that he's basically saying, you need to, be cons you need to live a life that is consistent with what you claim to believe. And if you think about it, all of James is saying, you know, Watch what you say. Do the things that you claim that you believe. If you say that you believe in God, go and do something. Don't just say something. Do something. You know, actions, actions flowing out of our faith. Our faith without works is that, like, it's basically a call to consistency. And that's a lot of what I want us to think about as we, as we kind of go into this next series. Um, I want us to be thinking about... What does it look like to not just say that I believe something, but what is something that I'm specifically called to do? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? What, what, are, what are some steps that the Bible calls us to actually walk through? And so I just want to kind of give you a little bit of history for me with regard to where we're going with this. And, and, and this, is, this is kind of a story for me, but it's a story of our whole church because, because when we planted CRC now, over seven years ago, which is just, just crazy. It's just crazy. Seven years ago. 
Um, when we planted CRC, we, we felt called specifically to eventually end up somewhere downtown because we saw a lot of hurt and a lot of need. And we, saw a, and we had this great burning desire that the Holy Spirit had put within us to come move in, not just, not just kind of touch base every you know, couple of weeks, come in, do a, do a thing and leave, that kind of thing, but to actually like move in and invest our lives here because we so desired to love and serve the people that lived in this neighborhood, the people that were around us here, the people that we were meeting and getting to know. And that, that brought us here and it really opened our eyes, I know it for sure opened my eyes to just how much hurt, how much need, how much struggle there is around us. And through that, um, we really started to get to know and see the effects that addiction can take on a culture and addiction can take on a human and addiction can take and, and, and the way that the church has or perhaps has not done a good job of responding to uh, in the past. And so uh, now the Holy Friendship Summit was what? A little over a year and a half ago, two years? It's a time, I don't do dates. But a few years ago, um, our church and many other churches in the area uh, got together and had this kind of two-day conference where we learned about kind of the science behind addiction, the struggles with addiction, the things that people facing addiction or recovering from addiction or or actively participating in it, like the things that were really happening in people's lives so that we as the church could, could perhaps step back, pray, and seek God and say, how is it that we are called to respond to this problem that is so rampant, especially in our area? And so, and so through all of that, um, we as the church were praying about this, and we were getting involved with what became the Holy Friendship Collaborative, which you can ask me my opinions about their name later. It's, it's a mouthful. But anyways, uh, it, was, it was, again, just trying to get churches together, united around this idea of we need to kind of raise up the body of Christ to, to step into a world that is struggling with addiction and, and think that the church should be the answer. And, and the farther in we got to this, the more and more the Holy Spirit has been kind of working in me and others to kind of say, what is it that we're supposed to do? How is it that we're actually supposed to accomplish this? And, and specifically with me, uh, God has really been growing this desire to better understand kind of the theological basis for why the church should be the answer when we're talking about how do we step into a world filled with brokenness and pain and all sorts of other things, and how, how is the church meant to respond? And so I've been, I've been studying this for a while and putting lots of pieces together for various different things. And, and over the course of the four weeks, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some different things that, that different pockets of us in the church have been working toward and kind of speak to that. Um, but, but really... I want to spend four weeks on this, this idea that, that we've kind of been putting together called uh, wraparound care. And I'm, we're going to define this over the next four weeks. And I'm, and I'm kind of wanting to develop this into a th kind of a theology of wraparound care, like the biblical basis, the biblical mandate for us to love and serve people in a way where we actually wrap ourselves around them entirely and love them deeply and passionately in a way that, that changes them. So I'm going to go ahead and give you kind of what I am defining as wraparound care, and then we're going to take four weeks to break down this definition. 
we're call and this isn't very hard, but we're calling wraparound care intentionally increasing interpersonal connection. You like how it's got the three eyes? And there's very pastor-like. Intentionally increasing interpersonal connection. So for this week, we're going to start by talking about that last section, interpersonal connection. What do I mean by interpersonal connection? If you've been at CRC, we, we usually we, we, we call interpersonal connection a different thing. We call it community. Community. Being around one another in a very real way. And I'm going to talk today, we're going to really break down kind of the, some of the theology behind why community is so vital. So, so if you're in Genesis chapter 2, we're just going to start with the basis of uh, understanding that we were created for community. So if you're in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground... The Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So from the very beginning... The very first thing, when God was going through all of creation, he, made, he created the, the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth. And every single day as he created more and added to his creation, he kept saying, this is good, this is good, this is good. But once he got to man, once he created man in his image, in his likeness, he said, this is incomplete. Something is not finished here. We have more work to do. Because, because it's not good that man should be left alone. It's not good that he should exist in isolation. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, being made in the image of God, being like God, and God himself existing in community, within himself, in the Trinity. God is not alone, even in himself. And so he said, it's not good that this guy should be left by himself. He needs community to be complete, to be good, to be right. If he's, going to, if he's going to adequately reflect who I am, he must exist within community. And this has continued to be true in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. You've heard, this ver we've, you've heard us preach this verse before, but, but this idea at its strongest point, the early church was intimately connected to each other all the time. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 starts, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This idea that God was growing his church daily 
as an outflow, as an outpouring of the way that they were living together constantly. They were in each other's lives together. They were eating meals together. They were sharing life together. They were praying together. At the strongest point in the early church, they were intimately connected to one another all the time. And, 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 and as God continued to build his church, this idea of being together, oneness, continued to be the key. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so the point that, that I, want us to, I want us to get, obviously, is that we were created for community. We were not created for isolation. Um, if, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, as we've been reading through the book Radical, uh, we had a little bit of discussion uh, this last week about the idea of some saying, I can pull off by myself and I can do church by myself. I can have church in isolation. I don't need the rest of the body of Christ. I'm going to go and I'm going to have community by myself, and I'm gonna, I'll watch a sermon online or I'll listen to a sermon and I'm fine. But how, but how much that misses the mark from what it is that we're actually called to do, where we're actually called to you know, spend time together, connect with each other, be around each other, eat meals together, pray together. All of these things that we were seeing happen in Acts chapter 2 is exactly what God desires because he, we, he sees us as one body. He doesn't see us as a bunch of individual parts of his plan. He sees us as one community brought together by the Holy Spirit. And he no longer sees us as a group of individuals, but rather the body of Christ. And so, so when we are at our healthiest, when we were at our best, is when we are in community with one another, when we are intimately connected to the rest of the church. When everything was very good in creation, it was very good because not only was there no sin, but because there was perfect community within God's creation. And that's what brings us to the next point that I want to make. And that's the fall broke our community with God and with one another. The result of sin is a breaking of community. If you're still in Genesis chapter 2, I stopped at verse 24. That's because I wanted to read verse 25 right here. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, which sounds really weird, but it sounds really weird. But here's the point. He's saying they had nothing to hide from one another because they had no sin. There was no sin. There was nothing between them worth hiding. They had no reason to be ashamed of anything. In perfection, they were perfectly unified. They were in perfect community with one another. But look at what happens in the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Right after the fall, right after they eat the fruit, it says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The first thing that happened when sin entered the world was that they realized that they were no longer able they were no longer in perfect community. There was no longer, there was something that, was, that had come between them. And they were ashamed to see each other as they were. And they began to hide themselves. Right after they sewed themselves together some clothes, they, went, they heard God coming. And what did they do? They went and they hid themselves from God. They no longer felt comfortable to just walk along and talk with their creator. 
their community with God had been broken. And that is what sin does. Sin leads us to a breaking of community with God, and sin leads us to a breaking of community with one another. And we see that play out so perfectly in this instance. Because that contrast can't be missed, right? They were naked and unashamed. There was nothing that they had to hide to immediately covering themselves up and saying, I don't want you to see me anymore. There's this thing that's embarrassing. And I'm not saying that that, that exact scenario plays out in our lives, but, but, but I'm sure you've seen that where, where if you've sinned against someone or they've sinned against you, there's this desire to go and hide your face or maybe avoid them or maybe not be seen by them. And, and, and this natural breaking of community tends to take place. It's, it's, it's a nasty symptom of a nastier truth that we, we have sin in our hearts and that, that our communion with God and with each other has been broken. And so we replace our community with other things. We replace that perfect communion that we had with God or, or that unashamed state that Adam and Eve were in, and we replace it with other things. They, they covered themselves up with clothes, but, but Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 24, says... Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. He's saying, he's saying when we sin, we're choosing something over God. We're choosing something over perfect community. We're giving up the good thing that we have, which is perfect communion with our Creator, and we are instead replacing it with something that is not as valuable, something that, that only pulls us further and further away from Him. The fall breaks our community with God and with one another, and that's exactly what is at stake when we start to talk about the idea of addiction. And this is why, and this is, this is why I, have to, I wanted to kind of set it up this way before we immediately jump in and just start talking about addiction. Because, because in the world right now, there's a, there's a big discussion about what is addiction. If some people went, some of us went to a meeting with the Holy Friendship Collaborative, and we had this discussion like, is, is addiction only a disease? Is addiction only the result of some sort of, you know, psychological trauma that someone has faced that needs to be overcome only through counseling and care and this sort of thing? Is it, is it only a moral failure? Is it only sin? You know, what is addiction? And it seems when you look at Romans chapter 1 that, that we're replacing the truth of God with a lie. It, it seems like there is moral failure there. There is sin present. And, and, and I don't want to get too heavy into all the science of this because I do think, because we, we, we could go for an hour just on the brain chemistry of addiction. And if we did that, you, you, we could come out and say, but look, it really does seem to have some sort of physical effect and really be, need to be treated as a disease. And I think there's, there's part of that that is at stake, too. And I think all of these things aren't at war with one another, but rather work together to give us a clearer picture. We, the church, have the clearest picture of how to, to, to step in and address the problem that is addiction because we have the full story. Because in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. I think, I think disease and sin are tied together in this way, in that we didn't experience disease prior to the fall. But the breaking of community, the, the, the sin entering into our world, 
has also introduced all manner of other things that lead to our death and sickness. So, so all of these things are connected together, not, not at war with one another. And even more so, the things that are present within addiction often pull us further and further away from community. Again, not wanting to get too heavy into the science, but um, as part of my job, I get to go do video at different things at ETSU. And I was, I was shooting video at the opioid task force meeting that ETSU is a part of a few uh, months back. And, and at the end, I was standing around talking to a few people after having shot some video of this meeting and um, mention of this one article from 60s, 70s, 80s, some, it is, it's an old article, um, was talking about how um, they were doing an experiment where they were taking rat babies and pulling them away from their mom. And when you'd pull a rat baby away from its mom, you know what it would do? It would cry it would be sad that it missed its mom. But then they found if they pulled the rat babies away and gave them some sort of opiate, it stopped wanting its mom. It stopped crying for its mom because, because what happens in our brains when we take certain, certain substances is it fills the parts of our brain that desire community. What happens is it, it replaces our God-given need for community. And, and, it, and it weakens our drive to be connected to other people. Our sin pulls us out of community, and the thing that we begin to replace the truth of God with only further prevents us from desiring to come back into community. We stop wanting the thing that we had been created for. But, but here's the question that I've begun asking asking myself as I've been kind of studying this. What if community, as it was designed by God, was actually what God intended to be used by the church to fix a multitude of problems? Not, not just addiction, but it could be any sort of trauma that you've experienced or any sort of brokenness or any sort of pain. What if, what if God's intent from the beginning was that the church was supposed to use the community that it had been designed to practice to fix all of these problems? And here's the thing. Scripture is filled with commands to be together and to be connected but it's also filled with mentions of how that connection, that togetherness, is to be used to bring people back. Romans 12.15 Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Galatians 6.2 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to skip the next one and I'm going to go ahead to James chapter 5 again. We just read this last week. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Be together. Feel what each other feel. And ultimately, as you are together, bring people back to the truth. That is, you were created to be together. And before you say, but, 
but what if I don't, what if I don't want that? What if I'm in isolation and I'm, and I'm trapped in my isolation and, and I'm not naturally going to want that? That's what the church is there to step in for. I'm going to go ahead and I skipped this one, but I wanted to read it last. Romans, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 26, speaking again of the body of Christ we have to have this realization that we need each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the, greatest, the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There, there's no point in the body of Christ where we say we don't need each other. Every single person who has been added to the body of Christ, who has been saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, and become a part of this family has a vital role to play. And, and as one of us is hurt, as one of us is suffering, as one of us has, has been pulled off into sin, that is the point when, we are at, when that part of our body is at its weakest, we all should feel that kind of pain. And we all should seek to restore that part of the body to full healthy status within the body. And now I know as I'm saying this, we all are going to have a different relationship to what it is that we're talking about. Some of us have never experienced any sort of addiction to any sort of substance. Some of us have experienced addiction to all sorts of different kinds of sin. Some of us may be in active, active addiction. Some of us may be in recovery from active use. All of us are in a different place in this, at this point and somewhere along the spectrum. But, but the point that I want to make is that if we're part of the body of Christ, we all are worth having here. We all are worth being together and fighting for the good of one another. All of us have a role to play in restoring people back together. And, and I think in all of these verses that we were reading, it was, it was this beautiful picture of the church being together. It was being, being with other people, being in community, like I said, as we have been designed by God to be. We can be at our most healthy when we are in community with one another. And so I was, I was, I was thinking about all of this, and I was trying to think through, you know, what are some of the, the drawbacks to this, or what are some of the things that, what are some, what's some of the pushback that that we might be tempted to feel. And it might be, you know, can you have community just through, you know, can you have community with somebody just through your relationship with them on Facebook or through social media? Can you have community just, just via text message and checking, checking on somebody or talking to somebody? Or is he really talking about physically being together? And, and, and this... And this passage just kind of hit me. I told you to maybe go ahead and mark Philippians chapter 2. This, this is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. At some point on a Sunday night, I think we should memorize this section too. Because I, I just, I love this picture of what Christ desired um, when, 
when he was called to step down to earth and save us. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 5. I said, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a theme to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Even Jesus realized that to accomplish salvation, to accomplish bringing us back to him, adding us back to his family, making us a part of the body of Christ, even Jesus came and physically dwelt among us. He did not stay, he didn't think that staying in heaven at the right hand of God was worth holding on to, but valued being humbled to the point of stepping down among the sinners. And being with us and, and, and physically walking around, physically allowing himself to be beaten and murdered for the sake of those that he desired to bring back to himself. And I can think of no better picture of, of what community looks like, but, but, but the pouring out of all of yourself to be with people in the hopes that you bring them back to right standing, to, to good, solid community with our Creator as we had been made from the very beginning. So, so as you are thinking about this idea, we're gonna we're gonna move we're gonna move farther into why why the church is the is the, the only real answer for how this kind of community can work and why why you can't really practice this kind of community outside of the power of God and the Holy Spirit working. We're, we're going there. We're going we're gonna to head toward why, why we should take these things and apply them in practical ways. And, and I know this isn't a very practical, there's not a lot of practical application that I'm giving you yet, but we're, we're going to get there. We, got, we have four weeks where we're really going to try to understand together as the church what this should look like and how this can play out in our context and where it is that we go from here. But, but more than anything, if you're sitting here thinking, I, I know what real community feels like, I love that kind of community, great. Take that community and try to, try to share that community with those that need it. If you feel like you don't have that kind of community, it, it, it is hard. I, I, don't want, I don't want to make it sound like, so all you need is community. Just start hanging out with people in the church more and that, that'll fix everything. Because, because that's not the answer either. That's not the solution either because community is a hard thing. Thing to find. Community is a hard thing to build. It can, take, it can take years and years and years. And even then, it doesn't mean it's not going to lead toward hurt. And we're going to talk about that, how, how finding community with people can lead toward pain. I mean, look at the example of Jesus. The community that he sought to build led to his own death. So I don't, I don't want to just say, all it takes is us all holding hands and hands across America, you know, that's not, that's not what the kind of community is that I'm talking about. 
and we're going to look more at what that can look like over the course of the next few weeks. But I don't want any of us to sit here and think, I don't have that, therefore I'm going to shut down and it's not worth hearing. Go back to that, that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where he says, every single member of the body of Christ has a part to play in building the body of Christ. Everybody is vital. Some, some, play, some parts of the body get a lot more glory than the others, but those aren't the ones that we even need the most. Right? It's the, it's, it's the parts of the body that feel like I don't have as big a role to play that, that we need more than anything. You, you, you hopefully have never seen your own heart. You hopefully have never seen your own liver or, or kidney. But, but I guarantee if you did not have one of those things, you would not be feeling very good right now. So I don't want you to hear this and feel like I don't have perfect community and think, therefore, this, this is a wash and it's not going to be helpful to me. My goal is that as we hear this, the Holy Spirit will grow a desire in our hearts to fight to build that kind of community for ourselves and for our church for the good of those that are around us. Not just for the good of ourselves, but for the good of others. Because that's, that's what I want, us to, I want us to see is this idea... I said at the beginning of wraparound care, intentionally increasing interpersonal connection, like intentionally adding to that, intentionally growing our ability to have community with other people is, is what I believe to be one of the key ways that God is going to fix the brokenness that he sees around us, the brokenness that we see in ourselves. Let's pray. So God, I pray that that this desire to be connected with one another, this desire to, to model what we saw in Genesis chapter 2, having, having nothing to hide from one another, being not ashamed of anything, but rather being completely open with the body of Christ, completely connected, completely seeing each other's need for each other. God, I pray that you would just grow this desire to serve each other within us, that, that it, wouldn't, it wouldn't just be, I want this so that I would feel better, but rather, how can I help build community for the sake of the body of Christ and for the glory of your name? God, there are so many people, there are so many people wandering around aimlessly, not knowing you, not knowing what they have, that, that you have even been here, that you have created them, and that they are in this place where they need you. And God, I pray that the way that we value each other and the way that we love and serve one another will, will just go out from, from this place and cause us to just wrap ourselves around and love those who we come into contact with. Love those, show them the love of Christ so that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the love that you've given to your church, will be able to bring people back restore them into right communion with you. Restore them into community with the rest of creation. That thing that we lost at the fall that you will restore through the power of your Holy Spirit and thanks to the work of your Son on the cross. God, I pray that, that for those here who, who don't know Jesus in that way, that don't have that connection with him, that don't have this kind of connection with the body of Christ, that even now 
they would be hearing these words that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death so that they could be restored to you. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see this, to know this truth, and that you would change their heart to desire to follow after you, to be added to the body of Christ, to, to begin to build community with those who have been redeemed. God, I pray that you would just grow this unquenchable desire within us to be together with the body of Christ, to love one another and to serve one another. And that, that our ultimate satisfaction we would, we would, be, would be that we get to know you and be with your people. God, that just like in 1 Corinthians 12, like we said, that we would just know this great need that we have for one another. And that as we, as we spend time together growing in community, that we would be growing more and more like what you have desired for us all along. In Jesus' name, amen.